everybody. Dr. Joe Vitale here with another Hypnotic Gold interview, and I'm so excited I can't sit still. I've got on the line Dr. Gene Landrum. I've been doing these interviews for seven or eight years, and I rarely go back and revisit a, a somebody, not because they're not great, but because I've got somebody else to interview that I want to get to. Uh, but Gene Landrum, he's been a guest several times, and he's one of my all-time favorite guests. He's an, an incredibly prolific author. He just came out with a new book called Sales Psychology. Sales Psychology. Sales is an art, not a science. Dr. Gene is an expert on persuasion psychology. Dr. Gene Landrum, he launched five firms and took three of them to $100 million in two years. And Dr. Gene Landrum was first president of Chuck E. Cheese Pizza. Talk about selling others on having a rat deliver a pizza to a party. And Dr. Gene won many national sales awards and now teaches sales and marketing to MBA students. He once had 10,000 worldwide sales agents reporting to him. And Dr. Gene Landrum did his doctoral research on the psychology of success. This man is prolific. He's one of my favorite authors. I've interviewed him for other books. He's written things like Warriors Who Win, uh, which is about these different great warriors like Alexander the Great, Joan of Arc, Napoleon, Geronimo, George Patton, and so forth. He wrote a book in 2008, The Innovative Mind, Mind. He wrote one in 2007, Paranoia and Power. I can go on and on. He wrote The Superman Syndrome in 2005, which I love the title, and I think that's one of my all-time favorite books about him or by him. The Superman Syndrome, You Become What You Think. But what we're going to be doing today is talking about the psychology of selling, sales psychology. And so please welcome Dr. Gene Landrum. Gene, how are you? Oh, I am great, Joe, and boy, I need you as my sales agent. <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, congratulations on doing yet another book. This is like three in one year. You're going to come out with the Book of the Month Club, the Dr. Gene Landrum <laughs> Book of the Month Club. Yeah, and, and I have to, I'll share this with you and your um, your oh. listeners, Joe. It's a true story. I'm married with a, to a very sharp uh, lady, uh, quite a bit younger than me, but she has a degree in psychology and um, counseling. And when I was sitting down to start writing this book um, eight, nine months ago, and, um, and I said, I'm going to do sales psychology, and she says, well, you have to be careful there because that's not for everyone. I said, what? I said, I said everybody's selling. She said, I never sell anything. I said, Ooh. look, honey, you are selling me where we're having dinner Saturday night. She was selling, <laughs> she was selling you on the idea that she doesn't do selling. Uh, yeah, exactly. She, I said, you're telling me where we're going next summer on vacation. Come on. Everybody sells. The Cardinals are selling the Pope. I said, any case, I, uh, as you can tell, I get excited about that. But I but I have, and I, and I did. I spent, and I, I like to share this with you, Joe. I don't even know that you know this about me, but hmm. I uh, uh, it was, I think, 22 years old, 21, and the uh, – I was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and um, I didn't know what to, to do. And the guy next door said, oh, I'm going to make you into a salesperson. And uh, he sends me to Miami. I, honest to God, Joe, I spent a whole day doing a battery of tests, psychological tests, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, then he uh, called me, and, 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 and we got together, and he said, Gene, they have said not to hire you that you would have some talents in all kinds of very techy areas. You probably should be an engineer or something or whatever, but you cannot sell. And and he said, but you know what, Gene? 
uh, I, I like you, and I think, now keep in mind, Joe, I'm 22 years old. Yeah. And he hired me, Joe, and uh, I actually, I went out, and I, uh, a year later, I became the top salesman in the United States uh, for this big company, and it's how I, uh, and you're very gifted at this, only, that's why I ended up in Pebble Beach making a speech to hundreds, I think it was 500 or 1,000 uh, people, men, who were uh, back then, who uh, most of them were either my father's age or my grandfather. And they're looking at me, and here is, is this wow. testing things that I should not sell. And here I became the top salesman in the United States. And you already said in your uh, pre-interview here, yeah. you know what? Uh, what, six or eight years later, I became a vice president of marketing for a Fortune 500 company. Wow. That so is sometimes we shouldn't listen, right? <laughs> well, isn't that the truth? Sometimes, well, there's a lot of quotes in your book. It's one of the things I love about everything you write is you've got these great quotes that inspire us, make us think. And there's one by Walt Disney. I don't have it in front of me, but it was about not listening to the accountants when they were telling him about, you know, a mouse and a duck and all of this. Oh, oh they gonna... told him. In fact, the head of the Hollywood uh, had told uh, uh, Walt that Snow White, the greatest animated film ever done, it's run for decades and decades for millions and millions. And they told him it was Disney's folly, they called it. And they, they said, and it, you know, they told him, stop doing that. You know, and the <laughs> bankers wouldn't give him any money. Wow. And uh, guess what? We cannot listen sometimes to those people, right, Joe? Oh, isn't I mean, that the truth? That, You've got to do what you need to do. Uh, uh, in any case, I have a, a wonderful quote in my book, as you probably know. I don't know if you've uh, seen it. But character may be called the most effective means of persuasion. Mm. Have character. And you have that, Joe. And I'm not saying that uh, mm-hmm. self-serving here. but uh, And I've always uh, done that myself. I try to do what's right. And I, yeah, well, and I know you are the same. You know? Well, when you say character, since you brought that up, why don't you define it so we all know what you're talking about? What is character? Well, it's that you are not doing things to, self-serving. And, and you and I have discussed this in some of my previous interviews. But, you know, and I know you have this whole thing in psychology, but they've only found it like within the last decade that 95 to 97% of decision-making, Joe, in every organization is self-serving. Mm. Uh, look at the political wars we're in right now. Do you think they're saying what they really or whatever? They're, they're trying to get votes. They're trying to get elected, and they, they are not always telling the truth, Joe. Um, and the character is the ability to, uh, to believe what you say and do it uh, in a, a very honest manner and uh, be what you say. And, you know, I yeah, tell walk your to, talk. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, as you know, I teach in graduate school down here. I'm a professor emeritus, and I uh, – and I, I actually I tell my students all the time, you want to know what a person's like? Don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. <laughs> mm. Right? No, that, that is so wise. Well, I, I want to look at this book, Cell Psychology, your new one here, and you say right. it's an art, not a science. That in itself is kind of curious. Uh, a science means that there's things we can measure, there's things we can uh, duplicate. By an art, that's much more intuitive, isn't it? Isn't, isn't uh, it? I, 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 it's more intuitive, this right hemisphere of the brain thing. You and I have spoken about it quite a bit, Joe. Yes. But it, it's also a, a, a sense of feeling. And, and this what you just had asked me before, Joe, it's, it's doing what's right and, and having empathy. I, I talk mm. about this later as you uh, will get to here. What mm-hmm. are the five things that are really do make a person a great salesperson? And right at the very top of the list, Joe, is that ability to empathize. Put mm. yourself in someone else's shoes. Uh, be, be able to go and 
and see the world through their filter. And, you know, as I mentioned, Joe, I, I became at a very young age one of the top sales in the United States. You know what I did, Joe? Hmm. And you probably listening to me are going to be like my students and say, you are not introverted. <laughs> I happen to be uh, somewhat a little bit introverted. I'm not an introvert off the scale like a Kaczynski or somebody. But I, yeah. I had... I am an only child. I was raised in a military academy. I, I got lost in books, and I'm introverted, um, and uh, not a great deal. But I, but it, it, when the guy hired me to be a salesman, I'm sure that's why I. And I've heard people, PhD, say this, Joe: go hire an extrovert to sell. Guess mm. what? Some of, you and I both know this. Some of the great salespeople that ever lived, like a Gandhi, were extremely introverted. And, uh, and 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 guess what? What does an introvert do? Well, here's what I did, Joe. Uh, we were talking about this uh, when when you opened this whole conversation up, and I actually he said go to a building, the guy that I was working for, and work your way down. Go into every office, and boy, that's one of the last things I didn't want to do that yeah. or selling all computer systems. And I'd walk into someone's office, Joe. True story. I'd actually walk into someone's office and look and not know what to say. And I'm not about to pitch these things like he wanted me to do. And I look on the wall and see a fish. And I'd say, oh, you're a fisherman. And uh, tell me about it. And I, mm. this happened all the time, Joe. And the guy would take off and say, oh, I found it. I caught this old out in the Atlantic. And I did it. And he goes on and on and on. Mm. And, uh, you know, when people are doing that, they're telling you something about themselves. They're telling you actually how to sell them. They're dropping words. And and sometimes, Joe, I would actually leave the office and he'd say, you're a one heck of a salesman, guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love that because that's one of the things that was eye-opening in your book. You're talking about some of the greatest salespeople as being introverts. And I reflected on myself and I thought, you know, people have, have said I'm a great marketer. That back when I sold cars and everything 30-some years ago, they said I was great at doing that. And the actual truth was I was so introverted i just wanted to be with my books i just wanted to be with my library i could turn on that part of me and engage people in conversation and be empathetic in emphatic in and also find out what they're interested in but i wasn't in any way an extrovert i don't think of myself that way even today uh, and and that is so right on joe you uh you are very you know intuitive in that regard because uh, some of the great – and you know what I found, Joe, in a lot of my studies? Hmm. As you know, I've studied some of the great people like Disney and, oh, you and, and just, people like you Donald Trump. Oh, you've studied so many. It's amazing. And, I, and Sam Walton, who did – and now, you know, in the recent books, Dell, Michael Dell, who did Dell Computers, and mm -hmm. Richard Branson. And you know what I found? Even some of the introverted types, like a Walt Disney, you know who the best salesperson in all of Disney was? Walt. Hmm. And you know why? Psychologically, and that's what my book here is about, the sales psychology, is did he have to ask permission from someone to cut a deal? No. Someone says, oh, I want to do all this, and guess what? He'd go cut a deal, right? And, hmm. and, 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 and that's, that's classic of some of the, uh, you know, the people who are, are the top people. Um, they will say, Walton, did he have to, he wanted to go make a big deal and buy the most tithe in the world at the lowest prices so he could uh, dominate the market? Guess what? He'd go walk in and cut the deal. Mm. <laughs> I love that. You say there's five great traits of a salesperson, and one is being the empathetic. That's the top one, right? 
What's uh, a, a, yes. Uh, it, it, it is the um, uh, uh, it, well. First of all, you know we have charisma. Uh, you know the charismatic uh, uh, people who have got that ability to stand up, and and you have it, Joe. And people have told me that I have it, uh, and it's effective communication. But it's actually almost getting uh, wired enough that we have passion. We really believe in what it is we're selling or trying to do, or. Uh, and that is charisma, uh, having that, uh, you know, the textbooks call it the gift of divine grace. Hmm. You know, it's out of the Greek, uh, gift of divine grace. But uh, you have that, Joe, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, and that people have told me I have that, and I don't know if you ever had one, Joe. I never had a speech class, ever. <laughs> a speech but what? A speech class. I never took a speech class. No, I never life. took a speech. I was too scared to take a speech class. And, and me too. I didn't want to stand <laughs> up there and do that exactly. But uh, but guess what? Uh, I, I I do really believe if I don't believe in something, I never try to take it on. I try to sell it. That's and, a key, uh, isn't so, it, right there? Because I've said that throughout my life, that if you are sincerely believing in your product or service, that will naturally come out with charisma, with energy, with sincerity. You'll be walking your talk. You'll have empathy. You'll have every all these qualities you're talking about. I think will automatically be there if you sincerely believe in what you're offering. You have to believe it, and you uh, have to uh, be so into it. And and that comes through, Joe. And charisma is that number one. But let's go jump right into that number two: is self-efficacy. It's mm. confident. It's that you believe, and I use that big term, self-efficacy. I give stu- students those tests in, in the university. Mm. But um, that's if you believe you can, and you believe in it passionately, because, you know, you need to tell all your people, Joe, we need to tell the people out there who are listening to this, uh, if you don't believe, stop, quit, go somewhere else, find something yeah. you believe in. That's right. And you know how many people, Joe, I know you've studied this extensively. Guess what? Uh, I've seen the data. I think, what is it? 68% of the people hate what they do every day. Why are you going in and doing that? Yeah. <laughs> and guess yeah. what? Are you going to be good at that? I don't think so. So self-efficacy, Joe, is the number two thing. Number three is empathy. Uh, you need to believe. You need to absolutely believe in uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, the thing and, uh, and understand the person, you know, have empathy. Put yourself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, be able to discern somebody else's needs, and and it, it, that ends up being making you a good salesperson. Now, Joe, the fourth thing is I've already said charisma, self-efficacy, empathy. Number four is tenacity. Uh-huh. You know, Joe, and if you said you sold cars, et cetera, are some people going to say, uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like you. I'm out of here. <laughs> Whatever. And uh, mm. you have to be able to deal with that and uh, and keep and keep doing it. And uh, I have in the book here, Joe, mm-hmm. I talk about it pretty extensively. That uh, and I found this because I told you I once had ten thousand salespeople all over the world working yeah. for me. And um, and what I found is I'm really a pack rat and I track everything. I used to make them send me stuff on. And what I found is the top people, the top. Five percent, ten percent, who were knocking them dead, made an average of five calls on a given client. And sometimes they got it in the first or second or third, but often it was five times. Guess how many people quit after the second or third? They never go back. 
Almost right? everybody probably quit after it, the exactly. first no. Oh, it's eighty. It's eighty some percent, Joe. I have the data on it, and I put it in the book here. Uh, eighty some percent. They they think, oh no, they don't like me. They don't like the product. Whatever. They go somewhere else. Well, guess mm. what? The people that keep returning that have the uh, tenacity. Um, they're the ones who persevere. They're the ones mm. who make it. Okay. And then my fifth thing, Joe, and by the way, in the back of this book, I don't know if you've gotten back there yet, at the very end, I have each one of these things. I have a test for the reader on each one of these things. Yes. And then I tell them how it, because nobody's going to be at the very top of every one of them, hardly no one, even a Donald Trump or whoever. So you, what you want to do is find out what you're strong at and what you're weaker at and make sure that's what you work on. So my last thing, Joe, is we talked about charisma, empathy, self-efficacy, tenacity, is drive. Drive, drive. okay. Which you call often, Joe, passion, right? And I yes, do I do. It's passion. Are you wired? Do you love this uh, so much that you're willing to do it on Sunday afternoon? Are you willing to go do this? And uh, and uh, Because if, if you're not passionate, and believe me, and I say it right in my book, you're going to be mediocre. Yeah. I don't care what you're doing. <laughs> Uh, I totally agree with that. And people ask me how I've written so many books, and it's like I, I'm passionate about it. I'm driven to do it. This is what I love. These are messages I care about. And so I'm doing virtually all of these steps in a very natural way because my belief in the message and the books and what I'm here to do are all in alignment. Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, and you need to have that passion and uh and uh, Margaret Mead I use in the book, and I tell some stories about her because she was, you know, Margaret Mead that went to where, New Guinea, when she was 21 years old? I alone, think that's right, yeah. A hundred years ago? Uh, it, it, that took some passion, right? Yes. going to go live in a jungle with a bunch of Well, all <laughs> of this you... ties together because the passion comes from the fact that you believe in yourself and you believe in your product or service. You believe in whatever the mission is, which t- ties into that self-efficacy you were talking about earlier. I think all exactly. of these loop together. No, they all loop together. They all tie together. They're good, Joe. You're really good at this. You, that is absolutely <laughs> but, correct. But, but here's, a, here's a question, though, because I think this could be a weak link, and it's possibly a question on people's minds. That charisma thing, it sounds like you either have it or you don't. So what about the people who may be listening going, yeah, Dr. Gene Landrum has charisma, and yeah, maybe that Joe Vitale has charisma, but what about me? I don't have any charisma. What okay, do you Joe, do? Just so you know, and I do say it. Uh, I think I have one paragraph on this in the book, but they only recently found this uh, about ten, twelve years ago, I think. Because uh, you know, fifty years ago, people believe that. You know, I start my book with Willie Loman. Yes. Willie Loman, back slapping, beer drinking, right. go get him a girlfriend, and they give you an order, right? And I start the whole book on this because I say in my book, Willie Loman is dead. That's right. <laughs> He's dead. Well, you know what they found out? Your question, Joe, is right on the money on a Willie Loman. Guess what? They've now discovered that charisma can be learned, Mm. Uh, and it's learned uh, from – and it can actually be taught. Is it easy? No, it's not easy because uh, people sometimes say, well, I'm just not a natural-born salesman. You are. I bet they've told you that, Joe, right? That's right. They just tell us that, and I've been told that. And guess what? I am – I am really armed to the, because I told you I was given a, a whole day full of psychological tests and said I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> you should not be a salesman, dude. And here I not only became uh, the top salesman in the United States at a very young age, I then became a vice president of marketing and sales of a Fortune 500 company. I, I won a, a ton of those awards. So the charisma 
is it, it, what you and I just discussed earlier, Joe. It's uh, are you in love with what you're doing? Right. Do you have passion for it? Do you have an ability to uh, want to do it well enough that you're driven and you have that tenacity? And the stuff that I that I test each person reading this book in the, in the very end. Mm-hmm. I put that test in there for that reason. Okay. Oh, I, and I love by it. the way, uh, yeah. on this subject of self-efficacy, we didn't discuss that, but. Um, I have a thing I do in my book, Joe, on being nice. Why? Because what, as you know, I teach this stuff. 83% of deals in the world are made to people who like you. Yeah. You might have the greatest product in the world, and if they don't like you, guess what? Mm. They ain't buying. Mm. So, first of all, you better have a rapport with them, and then they're going to buy. So I have all kind of data on these ideas. Uh, th- no, this is great. And the first thing I want to mention, too, or go back to charisma for a second, is that you reminded me that I self-taught myself how to sell, how to be a conversationalist. I read the famous books, How to Raise Yourself from Failure, Failure to Success in Selling, uh, Think and Grow Rich, all of the, the Magic of Believing, all of those classic books. I studied those like those were textbooks for me. Because I did not only not know how to sell, I didn't like selling. I didn't like marketing. I had to learn that when I care about myself and I care about a product that I believe in and I care that it's going to make a difference to the customer that ultimately buy it, then I can actually be in alignment and I can have charisma and I can believe and take action and be tenacious and have empathy and have drive. All of that fell into place. But I so had to teach with it. so much, Joe what you're saying, boy, I tell you, that you're, you're right on the money. Um, because if you love something enough, and that's why I tell my students, Joe, that if you are hating what you're doing, why are you doing it? Yeah, that's Stop it. Stop doing it. Stop I mean, doing are you it. ever going to be really good at it? Are you really going to be good at selling that? Or I, no. No. And, I, uh, I love this. You know, there's some principles you have in your book. Now, first of all, your book is fantastic. I mean, you, I don't know if I said that directly, but I love everything that you come out with. I always endorse your work. This one is fantastic, Sales Psychology, your recent book. And there's so much information in it, we're not going to be able to go through it all. But early on, you have some no-no principles that I really like, and they're very revealing. Like, for example, the very first one, never ask a question that could be answered with a no that's actually in, in some of my own books. I talk about writing headlines, and if you're going to ask a question, don't only ask one that's going to be answered with a no. In fact, I wouldn't even say yes and no. It should be more open-ended. But could you uh, elaborate on yeah, that? Yeah, well, in fact, I talk about that, and I said you make your customers uh, have a good reason for saying yes. Because, as you know, I've always been really steeped in this. I was a minor in psychology at Tulane when I was doing my marketing and business stuff. But then, and I found this stuff out that uh, I, I never forget, I was pretty young and a professor told me, I think if you get somebody to say yes six times, I think it was a study they did on President Roosevelt. And, oh. and if, 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 if they say yes six times, the next time you can say, you're really ugly, and they say yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a bit of a hypnotic flow going on. Once you get There's there, a hypnotic flow. That's, that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. So, so I love that <laughs> yeah. one. But here's, there's another one as one of your principles that I, I absolutely just uh, – we've we got to look at this one. The first three sales objections are always lies. Oh, yeah, and, and, and i got to tell you a story on this, Joe, because this does hit a note. Uh, I was a salesperson. I was actually a uh, – I had made it to the top. I was a VP in marketing and sales. I had 
I was in the computer business, Joe, computer uh, printer business. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a true story, about, uh, 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 Joe. I'm in my office one day, and a sales guy who, and I was in my 30s, you know, and this guy was older. He, he was an uh, older gentleman. He was working for me. He, said, he called me. He said, Gene, I just lost an order for a million dollars. Now, this is 40 years ago. That was a big number. Yeah. A million-dollar order. I said, Bob, what happened? Uh, we have a really neat product in this arena. And he said, Gene, um, very candidly, uh, he told me and the product we had was fairly noisy, the printing device, and it was disruptive. Oh, it was just too noisy at uh, the decibel level. And I said, Bob, you know what? Your lucky day. We haven't announced it yet. We're going to announce it in a few weeks. But our engineering uh, lab has corrected the problem, and we're going to announce the new product shortly without the noise. I said, call the guy back immediately. Go in there and uh, get the deal because you can promise him noise gone. True story, Joe. An hour and a half later, the phone rings, and it's Bob. And Bob says, uh, Gene, and he's kind of stuttering and stammering, and he said, Gene, um, I guess um, it uh, uh, you know, wasn't the noise because he said no. Well, oh. you know, Joe, I've done a lot of work in this arena since then because that blew me away uh, because it was something else. And here's what we have to do in life, Joe, and I do a whole section in this book on that. In fact, I have a whole chapter on this, what we're just talking about, that we have to overcome three objections in life, no matter what they are. Mm. And one of the, I started with Joe, as simple uh, because uh, there'll be some younger people reading this who are not married yet or what. And if you call a fair Denzel and say, "How about a date Saturday night, honey?" and she says, "I'm busy." Well, you know what's happening, Joe, psychologically, because I know you're steeped in this art. Uh, it, she may or may not be busy. But she doesn't want to say you're too heavy, you're too ugly, you're too, <laughs> <laughs> too uh, not learned, or whatever it might be. Uh, and she doesn't want to say that, so she's being nice and said, I'm busy. And so if, you, if she, he calls back and says, well, what about uh, uh, you know, next Tuesday night and I'm busy? Well, if she's keeping being busy, it isn't busy. Guess what? And, and I have a lot of data on this. I, as I said, I've written a whole chapter on this. Clients will try to be nice like they were to Bob and, and tell him that it was the noise when it was their buying from their cousin or it, it, it was, the price was too high or something else. So, Joe, what I go into this, because I, yeah, you, since you were into this, uh, this given thing, and mm-hmm. this is a, these are true stories, I'm telling you. Overcome three objections in everything you do in your life, even if it's your wife where you're going to dinner on Saturday night. And when she says no, you need to say, okay, what if? In, in Bob's case, he should said, what if there weren't any noise? Then the person would have probably been forced to go somewhere else and say, well, your price is too high. Or, yeah, I, I, he at some point might say, well, my cousin's in the business. I'm buying for my cousin. Whatever. Right? Exactly right. So uh, what, what are the three key objections? Are there three that come up all the time? Uh, well, the objections are people don't want to hurt your feelings, and they what they do is they will tell you uh, things that are um, uh, uh, polite. They just want you to walk out the door. 
Gotcha. They want you to be gone. Okay. okay. So and, the, uh, the first, I see what you mean. The first three sales objections are always lies. They're being polite. They're being nice. They don't want to hurt exactly. your feelings. They just want you out the door. And they want you out the door. Yeah. They want to get rid of you so they're going to be nice, and the people are trained to be nice. So they uh, say, you know, uh, the one thing I do like about New York City, even though it has driven 40 zillion salespeople crazy, <laughs> uh, a lot of them are pretty hardcore and just say, I don't like what you're selling. I don't like your price. Yeah. <laughs> they come on pretty strong. But uh, but in any case, I do a whole chapter on this. Of, um, well, uh, the secret uh, sounds like it would be to be on, persistent. Um, you know, uh, the first three objections. Um, being well, isn't mine. that where so, tenacity comes in, being but, uh, persistent? Uh, and, and, you know, I uh, I ask, um, you know, I, you know, as you know, in this salesmanship no-nos, uh, um, you know, I talk about some simple things like never call on a Monday morning. Uh, Monday morning, everybody's in a dither. they got yeah. problems of their own. You know, pick the right time to call on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I say in here is never disagree with a client, even if they call you an idiot. I saw that. That's, say, that's what my ex-wife used to say. Oh, that's <laughs> I like that one. Never, never disagree with anyone, even if they call you an idiot. Smile and charm them. You got it. You got it. And so guess what? You know, it doesn't always necessarily work. But And you know what I find, Joe, all the time? Because I do mm-hmm. consulting, as you probably know, down here in Florida. And I have people doing this, people with fertile minds with a – a, a big picture intuitive sense often come up with two things. I know you do this, and I do this all the time. I've got two things. Well, you know what I have learned in selling? It's hard enough to sell one, so never go into someone and say, oh, we have this thing, a kind of product, and then we have another one. Does it? No, no, concentrate on one concept at one time. One you will, time. have a hard enough time getting those ideas across rather than trying to do two things. Well, let me look at a couple other ones here. You, you've got never frown. Eighty-three percent of sales are made to happy type. Right. And is there uh, any more? Is, well, is that's that, the thing I mentioned to you earlier that uh, people tend to, uh, uh, you know, there's a uh, uh, all kind of data that uh, people want to do uh, deal with happy people, and uh, hmm. there are, I have in my book a whole bunch of stories on uh, people violating this rule. Uh, go in and smile and be happy. And you and I have discussed it in some of our previous sessions. Smiles release endorphins that go through the you know neurotransmitters and and make people uh, feel better and feel happier. And they are communicable, Joe, between you and an adversary or someone. If you keep smiling, at some point they may be frowners, but at some point they can't be screaming in at you. <laughs> exactly. Right? Well, so, another one of your principles is don't be too easy or too needy. Oh, that's very good, Joe. Very good. You are so perceptive on these things. I'm well, tell me you, about Explain that oh, one. Yeah, what because I, I don't know if you've ever had this, but I, when I was younger, uh, I was on, just so you know, I was a straight commission salesperson and marketing person for the first 15 years of my life. Mm-hmm. I had three kids, and I had no uh, – uh, you, know, uh, you know, I had no check coming in. I didn't get a check every Friday or every other or nothing. If you you either sold or you were hungry or whatever. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story on this. I I once Joe, this is a true story. I was uh, doing fairly well and I get some checks, but then I went went for two or three months. I had two months I did, and I I had to wear a suit every day, a suit and tie, and shirt and tie, and look nice. And I, I, I had my suit in the cleaners. It was back when I was in my 20s. And I couldn't afford, I didn't have the money, Joe, 
to get my suit out of the cleaners. Oh. And you know what I did? And maybe it's one of the reasons I've been pretty successful. I went and, I went and bought a new one. I could buy the new one on time. <laughs> I had uh. to pay the cleaners cash. <laughs> so wow. I, so I bought one on time, and I could go show up for work <laughs> until I got some cash. But let's go back to your question on being too needy. Yeah, too needy. Uh, there's all kind of data, and you're really steeped in the psychology arena, Joe, and you know this, but when you need something too bad, too much, you are exuding signals in your eyes, in your body language, in your behavior. Mm. I know you've written about this yourself. I have, good. yeah. No, and, and we do. And a lot of people who are not steeped or they're younger don't realize this, but we are sending signals with your body language, your slumped shoulders, your whatever. Uh, if you're too needy, it's sending vibes that strike fear in the mind of the buyer. So don't walk in needing an order so bad that you're pitching so hard, you're going to frighten them away. You're going to scare them off big time. And what about uh, the opposite where you say too easy? What what is don't be too easy? You also say besides don't be too needy. What's too easy? Well, sometimes you, you're you're so easy that you're actually sending a message with that Joe that mm. uh, if you, you're coming in with a price that's so much below everybody else, uh, everybody's been hurt by this, right? By buying, mm. you know, uh, getting your car fixed at half the price and then the car doesn't work when you drive it away, <laughs> right? Or or whatever. But sometimes if we are too easy. Uh, we get hurt, um, and uh, we're hurting ourselves because we're sending a message that uh, the person will actually think and, and tell their boss, I think this guy is too easy. He needs this bad. This may not be a deal. Let's pay the higher price and be sure. Uh, you know, things like that. I don't know if okay. that's happened to you, Joe, but I'm telling you it happens. It yeah, happens well, it, it's a variation of being needy anyway Absolutely. because they want to sell so bad they're Back giving in to all yeah. kind of things. Yeah. But uh, there's so much in your book. Uh, Gene, that is just amazing. Well, you mentioned expectations earlier, and I know you have a whole chapter in here about expectations. Oh, I and sure I, I know there's a uh, Hal Cohen with the expectancy theory had this quote The thoughts of scientists and technicians influence the particles they are studying. How does this expectancy effect influence selling? Uh, well, uh, our expectations, Joe. Um, are um, things that uh, are in our head, and you and I have discussed this um, mm -hmm. in some previous things that we've done, but our expectations are, um, are, are, are mindsets that we can either expect to be uh, good, we can expect to, just so you know, I play a lot of, um, of tennis tournaments, um, mm. and uh, I actually won one here last, and I'm not young anymore, Jim, but I won one against people 20-some years younger than me. Uh, a couple Congratulations. Of years and how did you do that? I, what happens, Joe, is sales, and, 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 and this is selling on the tennis court, but I'm telling you it's, it's selling in business or in life. We tend to be uh, caught up in our own belief, and, and I think you know I was inducted into the Hall of Fame in yeah. Dallas, the, that's uh, right, in Dallas ago uh, for entrepreneurship, and and I ended my speech, Joe, with what I call "Do Dr. Jeans Can Con Dance," and <laughs> just so you know, my I think second to last chapter in this book is "Dr. Jeans Can Con Dance," and that's pretty esoteric. But what am I talking about there? Can you con you into not being you? Mm. And um, 
Uh, let me give you an example oh, of this. I got chills here. Can you calm me? Oprah, as you know, I have, and I tell this story in the book on Oprah. Oprah, are you aware? I think she was 19 years old when she got her first assignment for a network news station in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh. And, um, and, uh, and and you've met Oprah, right? No, I've no. not met her. No. Oh no, I thought you had. Okay, but I had my picture taken with her once. But in any case, um, here's what Oprah did, and this is what I'm talking about on what your question was, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, her CanCon, you know what she actually did? This is a true story. She actually sat there and thought, at 19 years old, I'm going in front of TV cameras. I'm going out there and being interviewed. I'm the news network anchor here tonight. Oh, my gosh. What, you know what she actually did, Joe? She, uh, this is my, the CanCon thing. She actually sat there, Joe, and I was telling these uh, 1,200 people I was speaking to in Dallas this story. Uh, she actually sat there, and she said, I know, tonight – I'm not Oprah. Tonight, this is this whole expectation theory thing psychologically. She said, I'm Barbara. Mm. And back in the day, this was what, 30 years ago, Joe? Yeah, Barbara, Barbara Walters, Walters was the king or queen of all television. Uh, she was the queen. And, and Oprah said uh, to herself, she said, I'm going to be Barbara. I'm going to dress like Barbara dresses. I'm going to walk like Barbara walks. I'm going to speak like Barbara speaks, and she walked out in front of the cameras, Joe, and she knocked them dead. And in my opinion, if you, and here's what I told the students, if you can be what you are but also be what you are not, you can be more than you could otherwise ever be. Oh, wow. that's good. And guess what? Here's a lady that's now worth, what, $2 billion or so? Uh. Guess what? Uh, she was able to can-con herself and. If I have time here, let me tell you one last story here. Tell this, me, uh, tell me. Okay, uh, on selling, selling yourself. Can you con you into being something that you are not? Well, and I ended my talk like this, and it kind of I had a whole bunch of young people uh, because um, I told them, I said, look, if you're really young, you have to act more mature and act like you're older or you're not going to get the deal. And I, um, I said, let me tell you the reverse of that. I'm older, you can probably tell. I have gray hair. I'm not young anymore. Well, this is a true story, and this actually is a true story, Joe. Hmm. I was playing in a tennis tournament, and I go into the finals, and I don't know if your listeners know what a 4-0 tennis is, but it's a pretty tough league. Um, you're, you're playing pretty heavy-duty people. Well, I go out in the final um, uh, you know, game that I'm going to play for the championship, and I walk out, and I look, and it's a 17-year-old kid, and he's hitting the ball so hard I can't see the ball. He's hitting the ball backhand, overhands, wow. and I go to the pro at the tournament desk. I said, "What is this? I'm uh, I'm 70 years old." I said, uh, and he said, "Well, he's the number one player in the local high school, Gene, and uh, he's that's where he is ranked, and he's allowed to play in this." And 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 and, and true story, Joe. You know what I did? Oh. I excused myself. I went into the bathroom and I sat down. And I meditated, and I told myself, I cannot be a 70-year-old today. I'm going to be severely uh, embarrassed. I don't embarrass myself. I'm going to, I'm, today, I know, I'm 40. I'm going to be 40. I'm going to walk out there, and I actually con myself and, and talk myself into it. I say, I'm going to act like I did at 40. I'm going to run like I did at 40. I'm going to be, 
And I walked down the court, and by the way, his mother and dad were there, and I walked over and, 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 and said hello to his grandmother. His grandmother was three years younger than me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> three year, and, and Joe, you know what? And, and I told them the story, and it's a true story. I didn't make this up. I walked down that court that day, and I started playing like I was younger, and I started running. I was going crazy. I was actually diving in for some balls. I was hitting everything back. I beat the kid. The kid's father walks up and says, hey, man, i got to shake your hand. Wow. Because that father could never walk on the court with this kid. And, 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 and just, guess what? And I told him, Joe, and it's a true story. I want to tell your listeners this. Do we pay a price for sometimes when we con ourselves? Yeah, the next day I couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me, this, it was worth it, right? Uh, yeah, well, it was worth it, man. <laughs> I just said. <laughs> I love this, the can-con dance. It's now, like how would somebody? My Dr. Jean's can-con, right? Dr. Jean's can-con dance. I love it. I love it. This is like a form of self-hypnosis. Uh, we're already well, yeah, in a, it is. It's yeah, exactly we're already in a trick. We're in a trance that says we can't do something. We can't sell. We don't have charisma. But the can-con dance is really telling yourself you can sell, and you do have charisma. Exactly. Right on. You got it. That's exactly the thing. Is you have to be able to go there and con yourself and being what you are not, and we can do that, and it can, be, uh, and it can actually work. I just told you, too, uh, but in my book here, I have a whole chapter. I think it's chapter 21 I have on this, and chapter 21, I go through about six or eight stories, just like Oprah's and mine yeah. and some others, that <clears throat> those people can, and, and sometimes we have to be uh, kind of out of what we are to become more than what we are. And, and you know, we got to go there, and that's part of the selling. Sometimes we have to sell ourselves, Joe, right? That's exactly what you're talking about here. Well, it's inspiring to me, and it's very exciting. And we both know that the, the neuroplasticity and some of the brain science out there is telling us we can change our brain. Our brain oh, isn't terrible. running us. We can actually run our brain. That uh, we yeah, can be... They call it numero neurons, and you're really steeped on this, Joe, and I want to go through all that. But, yeah. I talk about, just so you know, I talk about that uh, brain plasticity, mirror neurons, in my book um, pretty mm. extensively. And uh, and mm. I talk about, I put a little stuff in there on Steve Jobs because I don't know if you're aware of it, Joe. I knew Steve. And, um, oh, I he, didn't know uh, that. And I have a quote by Bill Gates, uh, who uh, they were bitter enemies, actually. Uh, mm. But he, uh, you know, uh, Bill Gates told the press, he says, Steve Jobs is different with an incredible power of persuasion. Yeah. And here was a guy, talk about that introverted thing. Was he introverted? Unbelievably introverted. Yeah. Um, but he had that um, unbelievable power of persuasion. Okay. I, I love this. Uh, I, I want to ask you a couple more questions before we go here, but I want to remind everybody that we're talking to Dr. Gene Landrum, and it's on his new book, Cell Psychology. And actually, at his website, there's a preview chapter. Isn't that right, that they can read yes. a, a chapter of it? Yes. And the website yes, is genelandrum.com, which is www.genelandrum.com, genelandrum.com. And get this book and, of course, get all the other books. When you were well, doing all your research and you reflect... Yeah. yeah if, they, if they tell me they heard you uh, me on this show, mm -hmm. I'll send them a free DVD along with a book, uh, a $15 DVD. On oh, that's great. So, so I'll, just I'll, mention I'll that they're a hypnotic gold member and they heard me interview you and they can have the DVD when they order the book. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, and I quote extensively a guy who I just love, Solomon Price. I don't know if Sol Price was the guy who founded what's now Costco. Oh, uh, okay. He's the father of the warehouse clubs. 
and he had such a uh, uh, he he said Joe merchandising is not a science it is an art mm. the essence of merchandising is the intelligent loss of sales wow and uh, I, wow. I found that and you know what he did he said uh, he, uh, one of the most profound things Joe on selling if you're a retail type salesperson or selling stuff like you and I sell books and things, you must price your product as if you were buying it right. If it sells, then find out if you can buy it right. What he was saying is, when you first get started, Joe, and some of our people listening to this, probably if you're launching a new thing, in the very first, when you first start, I think I said this on your uh, show once, Joe, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I started Chuck E. Cheese. My very first store, I went and bought a costume character, Chuck E. Cheese, the rat, the furry rat, to deliver a piece to the parties. Right. And I went and bought that, Joe, and seriously, and I talk about this in my book here, and uh, a guy comes in from Harvard who was uh, the top gob at where I was at, at the time. At, um, he, they, they bought Atari. Um, I don't know where that Warner Communications. Uh, he was a Harvard guy, an MBA guy, and he comes in and he says, you paid $5,000 for that uh, character in this one store. You can't afford that. That makes no sense. And I looked at him, Joe, and I said, you know what? Uh, that was the first one. The first one of anything cost you a whole lot more than yeah. the other one. He, I said, I want him because I want to build a hundred of these stores or hundreds. And guess what, Joe? And, and he and I never did get along because he thought <laughs> I was nuts because he was that old accounting mentality. And guess what? After I think it was my seventh store, you know what those costumes cost me, Joe? What? $300. Yeah, massive difference. Three hundred bucks. Wow. So guess what? What this is what the sole sole price was saying here. You must price your product as if you were buying it right. In my case, I bought the thing and paid a ton of a price, but then with volume, I got the price lower. And if you're selling your price at retail, you have to do the same thing. If you're not buying a, a train load or a, a car load of these things out of wherever you're buying it, or out of your factory or out of the uh, Asia then price it as if you were in the first ones to see if it sells, and if it sells, then go place an order for the car load. <laughs> for the rest of it, yeah. Well, let me ask right. you this, Gene. How, how different is selling on the Internet? Is it all of these concepts the same, or are there anything that we need to keep in mind? Because a lot of people listening may be Internet marketers, and they're putting up websites, and you've got your website at GeneLandon.com. And I talk about that, and I talk about Zuckerberg and this thing. I, I, go, I go into that in, the, in my book, Joe. Because you're, but you're right, and let's make a parallel here. The internet is not all that different from people who uh, uh, sell in um, periodicals or, or mails. You know, one eight hundred numbers. Yeah. You're, you're, it, it's it's almost like a catalog sale, if you will. Uh, people who sell on the catalog, it, it's got you've got a long lasting image that you're sticking online, right? They're yeah. looking at it. it it's got to be sticky, and, and you have to, you know, you people know what sticky is. I talk about this in my book here. Uh, the longer they stay on, are you aware, uh, the more you sell. Yeah, the longer they stay on the website, the chances of them selling go up. Oh, they go up dramatically, yeah. yeah. They, they know if you're buying candy or whatever you're buying. They, they find it since Valentine's Day is about to come up. That's what they found. Uh, people who sell chocolates and candies online keep them on the site so how do you do that, Joe? Hmm. With pictures, with you know, uh, you know, one of my uh, you know favorite things is uh, you know is you know the icons. Uh, 
a you know a, a mm. picture is worth ten thousand words. The Chinese said that years ago, right. and uh, it is absolutely true. I mean, we need to show pictures and things that are striking that became viral on the web, on the net. And guess what? If they stay on there and become intrigued, your chances of selling are better. But many of the things we've talked about are the same with a different kind of uh, uh, nature of how the people are. you got to you know, uh, have people go through and, and, and buy your, their stuff uh, using a um, credit card and doing all that stuff. You know? But it's, online, it's an online sale. Yeah, exactly. When you were doing your research for this selling book and you were reflecting over your career, which is so amazing, and, and congratulations on your entrepreneurial award and all of that, uh, what stood out as one of the more surprising insights when it comes to selling? What's one of the more surprising things that stuck with you? Well, uh, it, it was the fact that they had tested me, you know, and uh, uh, and you know, I, I have a whole thing I do in my book is all truth is false. With more oh, awareness. wait a minute! All truth is false. With more awareness. Yeah, ah, all truth. That's a great line. All truth is uh, and false. It's one, of my, it's one of my axioms, Joe, and I, I talk about it in the book. What does that really mean? We believe things, and just I think I told you, I was a math major at Tulane. I'm an MBA. I know numbers cold, and they told me in grad school, Joe, that uh, oh, just do it by the numbers. It's just, the world's a numbers game. Have you ever heard? If accountants get into this big time, they drive yeah. me crazy. Uh, oh, and guess what? I actually believe that, Joe. When I was 27 years old, I said, that is genius. That is the right way. And you've asked me the question, what is the most revelationary thing yes. I've got in this book for people yes. to read? Guess what? By the time I was 30, I discovered that that was a total misnomer. Uh, and how I found it, Joe, um, I got out of grad school, and I ended up in Silicon Valley. And I actually I told you I knew Steve Jobs. Yeah. I knew um, Noyce, who started in Cal. Mm. I had lunch with Bill Hewlett, who started Hewlett Packard. Mm. I, I I knew um, I worked for the guy who invented video games. And wow. Why am I telling you this? Not to tell you it, it, my associations. Not one of them ever did it. They were all physicists, engineers. Not one of them ever did anything. But would they ever say you can't do it? It's not in the budget. Never, never, never. They're all billionaires. Mm. So I found the truth. This all truth becomes false with more awareness, I suddenly had a revelation. I have been working incorrectly. Numbers are not the thing, and it's when I really branched out and become far more intuitive, Joe. And uh, everything I've done with Chuck E. Cheese, with the things that I've done in my life, it's because they're right-brain-driven, not left-brain numbers-driven, just so you know. The world is not um, digital, even though most people will tell you the world is now digital. No, it's analog. I have some data in the book on it, Joe. I talk about this. Um, are you aware they just did a recent study? You're really into the psych thing. You've probably seen this. Are you aware uh, you can take uh, hundreds and hundreds of computers, the most powerful computers in the world, and they cannot emulate a 10-year-old boy in the outfield catching a fly ball? Right. And, and guess what? Because the wind, the turf, the, uh, the speed of the ball, the height of the ball, the sun – all those variables get into and mess up what a computer would do. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Gene, anyway, I, can talk I know to you're you. really into that stuff. But guess oh, what? I am, and it's, I can talk I, to you. One of my favorite things is uh, all truth is false. So if people have steeped you or your parents have told you you've got to do it this way, you are not a salesperson, you can't do it, say Dr. Gene said no, you can. <laughs> you want to pay the price? There's a price, right, Joe? You know this, right? 
You mm-hmm. said it earlier. You said you uh, got so steeped in all the stuff you did, you just wanted to do it. You want, you wanted it so bad, you had that passion, and you did it. And as you know, Joe, I end this book with the last chapter, chapter accidental sagacity is magical. Yes. What's accidental sagacity? Well, I think you probably know, or your listeners know, if you've ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese, the, the whole thing in doing Chuck E. Cheese was I was given a, a, a charter to go find out how to put more games because I was working for Atari at the mm. time. Put more games in the places that serve food and drinks because there were laws against putting a bunch in. And guess what? I had my daughter uh, as, my, as my sample taking her around to birthday party places, and you've seen this, Joe. And what do they do? They have signs saying, keep your kids uh, at their seat. Keep oh, your kids right. quiet. Well, we tell our grandkids now, right? Shh, be quiet. Mm. Guess what, Joe? The kid knows. And so this chapter I end on accidental sagacity, guess what? I suddenly had my daughter, and I looked. She knows. She knows. She knows it's not her joint. And I said, there's a void in places where a kid can run around and make noise. Mm. So that's what I'm going to do. So mm. the whole Chuck E. Cheese creation was out of a magical uh, epiphany that I actually had uh, because I was going and getting almost like you do, Joe, and writing your stuff, I got so immersed into it and was so passionately wanting it to happen, I looked and said, wow, I got a revelation. I got an epiphany, and yeah. that's what I'm doing. And a lot of my friends said, you're crazy. You're, you're going to have a rat deliver a pizza to a party. <laughs> Obviously it worked. Well, listen, we're running out of time here. I okay. wanted to remind uh, remind people to get your book, Sell Psychology. And in my opinion, they should just go to your website, genelandrum.com, and buy all of your books. They can get a preview of this one at your website, genelandrum.com. And also, in the back of the book, you do have a quiz to help people understand. It's a self-assessment on ideal sales personalities. I and do. I have a quiz there that they should take. And, by the way, I quote a guy named Joe Vitale on page 130. <laughs> <laughs> Go look up Joe in the book. Okay. Uh, thank you for doing that. I always like seeing my name in print. <laughs> oh, very good, Joe. You are so good at this. I really appreciate it. And let them know I'll give them a special a free CD or DVD if they buy the book, okay? And I'll personally autograph it for them. Oh, thank you, Gene. I've been talking to Dr. Gene Landrum, author of Cell Psychology, website genelandrum.com. Go get this book. Go get all of his books. And remember, you are selling, no matter who you are and what you do, and you are selling. Have a great day. Dr. Joe Vitale, over and out.